is Weekly Dose of Wellness, brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. Here's Deborah Howell. Welcome to the show. I am Deborah Howell, and today we'll be talking about palliative care. You know, it's never too early to talk to your loved ones about it. Our guest today is Katie Hyman, Program Coordinator for the Palliative Care Program at Long Beach Memorial. She has been involved in advanced care planning for more than 10 years, working to raise awareness on the importance of having the conversation both in the hospital setting and out in the community. In addition to her role at Long Beach Memorial, Katie has been a board-certified chaplain for more than 10 years. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. While 90% of people think it's important to talk to loved ones about end-of-life care, especially in the event of critical illness or injury, less than 30% actually have the conversation. The Palliative Care Program at Long Beach Memorial is providing resources and tips to help you have that conversation. Katie, what is the Long Beach Has the Conversation initiative? Uh, It's a public awareness campaign uh, that goes beyond the walls of the hospital, really to try to engage the whole community of Long Beach in making these conversations more normal and a bit less scary, perhaps, mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a hard thing to talk about. And, and we're hoping that by making this a, a community-wide initiative and bringing this to places where people live and work, that we're able to uh, get more people engaged in this. Absolutely. Now, why is it important to have the conversation about end-of-life care? Well, it's important... Uh, most of my team here in the hospital sees people who are have had an acute illness or a traumatic injury, something that's that's pretty sudden and something that's really extreme. If you're in the hospital, it means you're really pretty sick. And unfortunately, for a lot of the patients that our team serves, they have not had any kind of conversation with their families. And so these are patients then that have Uh, can't communicate. And so our team sits down with the family and says, tell us about your loved one. Did you ever talk about what they might want if they were so critically ill or so critically injured? And these families are left with this tremendous burden of, of wondering or trying to guess or piecing together from odd conversations throughout the years. And it's really burdensome and it's uh, adds a lot of stress to an already stressful situation. And, and possibly even conflict. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes, because people have had, they have different values, they've had different conversations with people. And so it, it's, yes, it's very, it adds a lot of conflict to, to family dynamics. You immediately think of the Terry Chavo family and, and just how tragic that was. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, people that both had her best interest at heart, but had conflicting opinions about what life support treatment meant. And and really, no one had any idea what Terry herself wanted because there was no document, uh, no that was like an advance directive that said exactly what she wanted and and how she felt about uh, artificial nutrition or tube feeding. Yes, which leads us to the next question: Who should people have this conversation with? It's really important to have the conversation with with close family members, for example, those who would be in the position of being asked if if you came into the hospital, who would we talk to? Uh, But all of those people 
uh, not just, say, your spouse or not just your, your oldest child or your closest sister, but really everybody uh, in, your, in your family that you can. Also, really important to have a conversation with any doctors that you have a relationship with. If you have a, a cardiologist that you see uh, or a family medicine doctor, somebody that you have a longer-term relationship with so that that doctor can help you uh, start when you're relatively healthy and make decisions based on your values just as you get older. You know what? I have never thought to do that. And it's such a no-brainer now that you've said, talk to your doctor and let him know. Of course, then there will be even less guesswork. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I'm so glad we've had this conversation. I hope a lot of, a lot of people are hearing that because I'm sure maybe if I haven't thought of it, many, many, many other people have not thought to just tell their doctor. Mm-hmm. And one, one really nice thing is that... Uh, the insurance companies, Medicaid has, has taken the lead on this, but has has started to be able to reimburse physicians for this conversation. So physicians who have a really jam-packed schedule, if you let them know ahead of time, if you say to the doctor's office, I want to talk about advanced care planning with the doctor, they can book that much more time out for your visit because it's not something you can really do in two minutes. Okay. Uh, it, it can take it can take a little bit of time, and you may want to do it over multiple visits. But if you give them that heads up, then they know. Okay, this is let's let's set some time aside today. Interesting. That's just such a good tip. Now, having this conversation with your family members can be very awkward. Do you have any yes. tips? Uh, yes, it it is very awkward, and I have a personal experience of of not doing it very well with my own family members, where I brought it up, and it just sort of went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> um, it, it's, a good idea. it's a good idea if there's been a recent news story or an article. Sometimes that's sort of a side way of bringing it up and saying, oh my gosh, I read this article and I would never want to be like that. Or mm-hmm. it got me started thinking and I wonder what you thought about that. Uh, nice if you can pawn it off or if there's a movie that you've watched. Yes. Something that's sort of a topic of, of general interest. Uh, that's a that's a good way to do that. Another way, a lot of people say, uh, I need to get my parents or my grandparents to do this because they're the ones who are old. Mm-hmm. How do I get them to do it? And I say the best way to do that is to do it for yourself, to yes. fill out an advanced directive or use some of these tools um, at theconversationproject.org. Do it for yourself and then just bring it to them and say, I am preparing for my future. Uh, and so I want you to see what I want. And then, as a follow-up, you may be able to say, and now I'm wondering what you're thinking. I love it. It's a little backdoor, but, you know, I'm sure it's very effective. Yes, and we all should have this. We really all should do this. So what is the difference then? Say you've accomplished the conversation. Now mm-hmm. you need to complete that advanced directive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the difference yeah. there? Well, the advanced directive is a legal document. It usually has two components. One is legally naming the person that you would like to speak for you if you couldn't speak for yourself, if you were unable to communicate. Uh, sometimes we call that a healthcare agent, or sometimes it's called a durable power of attorney for healthcare. So that's one part of an advanced directive is, is specifically naming that person. Okay. And then the other part is more of a living will, which gives some guidance in a Uh, a handful of scenarios about if you would or would not want life support treatment. Life support treatment usually includes things like uh, ventilators, which uh, help you breathe or breathe for you, uh, food and water supplied by medical device, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, uh, those kinds of 
life support treatments, dialysis, blood transfusion, surgery. Uh, and so the, the living will portion will ask uh, in what situations you might want to have that indefinitely and when you, when you would not want to have that. Okay. Now, after having the conversation, what legal documents should people use to document their wishes? So that's, that's the Advanced Healthcare Directive. You can get a variety of uh, free ones online. There are ones that go a little bit more in-depth into people's personhood. That's like the Five Wishes document. Uh, but you can, and you can access all these resources on the Memorial Care website. Okay. You don't have to do it through an attorney. A lot of people think because it's a legal document that you, you must go through an attorney or a notary, but, but you don't have to. It can be much uh, simpler and more basic than that. Okay. Now, after you complete all these documents, where should those legal documents live? Mm, very good question, because a lot of people's instinct is to put it into a safe place, and that's the wrong place. <laughs> Because <laughs> a safe place is a place people can't get to, right? right? So you should make lots and lots of copies. You should give a copy to your doctor or all your doctors, if you have many, so that you're on the same page. You can use that as a tool to start the conversation with your doctor, too. Uh, you should give copies to anyone who's a decision maker, right? Yes. So you can talk and have more in-depth conversation with them. And then the other thing that I say is you should also give copies to people who are not named in your advance directive as a decision maker, but who have a reasonable right to expect that they might be. So, for example, if you have three children and you've named one as your decision maker, all of your adult children should have a copy of it because it's your chance to say, I have named your brother as the decision maker because I don't want this to be too much of a burden on you. But... I want you to see for yourself, this is your copy, you see what my wishes are, and you, if you have a problem with that, then you come and talk to me. You don't talk, go and talk to him later in the moment. And that's one of those ways of heading off what you talked about earlier about conflict. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It is very, very tricky. <laughs> but yes. this makes the path a lot more easy to handle mentally and, uh, you know, emotionally. Yes. Yes, it does. Where can listeners go to find out more information and some resources to help them have this tough conversation? We've created a, a, a section of the Memorial Care website, so that's memorialcare.org slash have the conversation. It has links to places where you can get advanced directives and also the, the tremendous resource of the Conversation Project, which has more specific resources about just talking to, to your family and your loved ones. And in your experience, Katie, after this is all completed, do families have a sense of relief? They do. They do. And uh, people who have had a conversation, it doesn't mean that they're not sad if their loved one has died, but it eases that stress. What we're starting to see is families who have, been, uh, have had a loved one die, particularly in intensive care, are experiencing symptoms very similar to PTSD, and they're calling it post-ICU syndrome. Mm. And so this eliminates a lot of the burdens. ICU is still a stressful place, but uh, this eliminates a lot of the burdens because they feel like they've honored their loved one's wishes, Yes, and they feel, they feel at peace about that. It's so. almost like giving your family a roadmap of saying, here's my journey, and this is how I want to get there. Absolutely, absolutely. And the other piece I would say is, 
it's we've called it have the conversation, but it's very rarely one conversation. It's it's often a series of conversations over time because there's so many elements to it, and things can change. Somebody might say at at age forty, they might say, "Oh my goodness, if I can't walk around and exercise, then life is not worth living." But by age eighty, they might say, "You know, as long as I can sit in my chair and watch Jeopardy yeah. and, and see my great grandkids." then I'm okay. That's an okay quality of life for me. So things change, and and we need to periodically revisit that conversation. And if you started it early, it's easier with your family, right, to go back and say, hey, I thought about this, and I, and I want to make one change. Yes. Oh, I love this. I think everybody listening right now, please start the process today if you haven't already, and, uh, you know, give your family some peace of mind. Thank you so much, Katie, for your time today. We really, really do appreciate it. For more information or to listen to a podcast of this show, please go to memorialcare.org. That's all for this time. I'm Deborah Howell. Thanks for listening. Have yourself a great day.